morning is uh, Psalm 27, found on page 503 of your pew hymnals. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord, to behold, or all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, you who have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. So teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. So it appears as though this mic is not working, so I'm just going to take it off for now and just do this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? Can we get the picture up, Jim? The Lord is the strength of my life, and whom shall I be afraid? So what do you see here? Well, I didn't hear that. What? A crazy person. Yeah, that's always the fear that you're going to look up there and you're just going to see a crazy person. I remember, um, I rem- remember back on Lake Chelan, back in my youth, um, a dear friend, the Ellington family, had a, a place there. They called it Granny's. And there was, it would sat right on the lake, but it was about a 60-foot drop down to the lake. And if you looked at it, you could see different levels of platforms that had been created over time. And not only would we jump off of different levels, we would, from the top, run, see how much air we could get, and then head down. And, oh, by the way, we didn't wear life jackets. That would have really been painful. But... but there's a lot that you see here, and I, I'll come back to this in just a second. Before that, I just want to share that last Sunday afternoon, a group of about nine of us met to look again at the mission and vision of the church, and these guys represented you know, multiple aspects of the core leadership team. And over those four hours, we talked about a, a number of things, and Janice did a, a wonderful job of leading us. We looked again at the vision and the mission of the church 
It didn't change much other than two words were added. And what I want to do is combine the mission and vision at this point and let you know what they came up with because over time we're going to come back as a full body and, and talk more about this. What it now says is Aldersgate, a vibrant, inclusive Christian community growing in faith, love, health, and service. It is amazing to me how much difference two words can make. Vibrant and inclusive. And there was a lot of talk about that. And, and, and again, I'll, I'll talk more about that in a little bit. I need, to, I, I need to read you Teddy Roosevelt one more time, though, before going there. And a reminder that this was the beginning quote of, out of Brene Brown's, Dr. Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly. And this is what she says in the middle of that book or at the beginning of that book. It is not the critic who counts, not the one who points out how the strong one stumbles or where the doer of good deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the one who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotion, who spend themselves in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if they fail, at least they fail while daring greatly. So I I need to wander a little bit. So Jim, can I put this one on? Is this on at this point? The other thing that happened in this meeting and what kind of a reiteration of what happened uh, about a month ago at the last core leadership meeting was looking at the priorities of the church. And again, you will be involved in this. It's why we gather at common table meetings. Making the highest priority of the church children's ministry. And if you look, we had seven children this morning at first service, and there are times when we have 25 or 30 children at first service, and it just fluctuates up and down. But as we look at the combination of that priority, and as we look at those two words, vibrant and inclusive, I want to just talk a little bit about kind of some things that have come to mind. I asked you to look around because I'm asking you to look at the faces, look at the ages, look at the color, and maybe even the language that may be spoken as a first language. And I will say, I believe that we are a vibrant group. I still believe that we can become more vibrant. I believe that we are a diverse group, but there's a difference between diverse and inclusive. And I'll talk more about that in just a second. So here we are, and and, in walking through the church early this morning, the other thing I noticed was if, in fact, children are our highest priority, and as we think about the church itself, and particularly the upstairs, what I'd like you to do is kind of visibly or in your mind walk through the front door of the church with the eyes of a seven-year-old. Are you there yet? And when you walk into those front doors or even the office door, 
With the eyes of a seven-year-old, what do you see? You see us because as you think about this, we are an adult-oriented church upstairs. We are. The only place where you can have any kind of visibility about getting excited as a seven-year-old is if you walk into Friendship Hall and don't look at the food, <laughs> although as a seven-year-old, you're going to immediately go over there. But then you look back, tucked into the corner over here are some toys and some balls. And that's why we did this tour this morning. And as you walk into the narthex and you walk around toward the resource center, the library, the only thing that would excite you as a seven-year-old is faced away from the door, which are the bookshelf of children's books. I brought a few of those in this morning. And as you come down and you look down the hall, or even you look in here and and you look down the hall to the hallway, is there anything that would engage you as a seven-year-old? And particularly as you look into these two upstairs classrooms, they're very, very blank. And I don't mean fill in the blank. They're very stark. And until you get to the nursery and you happen to look in there, you see something that could excite a two-year-old. But even if you go down to the youth room where we now hold Sunday school, there's not much that's engaging there. My point is, it's not that we're lacking because this is an adult-oriented church. But if we are to become vibrant and inclusive, might we want to think a little bit more about inclusive beyond adults, particularly upstairs? We're at, and I said this in my blog a couple of weeks ago, we're at a tipping point right now in the church, particularly as we look at two emerging positions. The first position is a director of children and family ministries. And I will tell you that this search committee, which has been at it for about four months, has had multiple resumes but they're being very picky because they recognize the tipping point where we are right now. And we have to find that right person. And I will guarantee you that as that right person comes to us, they're going to say to us exactly what I just said to you. Is right now the family upstairs is an adult family. And it's fully adult-oriented. And there is very little to offer that seven-year-old visually, and to some extent even experientially. And I wonder if it's time to reconsider some of that. The second position is we, are, we have a search committee that is looking for a new preschool director. And those of you, many of you have been around a long time and know that there has been some kind of feeling of separation between downstairs and upstairs. Because if you walk downstairs right now as a seven-year-old, you get pretty excited about what you find there. Multiple colors and all kinds of things on the walls and the classrooms that, that just engage you in so many different ways. But here's the other deal about downstairs, is downstairs have nine, nine different languages as first languages being spoken down there. Nine different languages. 
and we have one teacher right now who speaks Korean. The reason I raise that is that I want to remind us that Aldersgate Christian Preschool is a ministry of this church. It is not a separate preschool renting space from us. It is a ministry of this church, a ministry that houses 165 children right now, and those 165 children and their families speak a different language than English as a first language. Nine different languages. Our hope is as we look at hiring this new preschool director that they will be able to help us understand the importance of that as a ministry, both downstairs and upstairs, that we continue to build stronger bridges of vibrancy and inclusivity down there. And a reminder that diversity and inclusivity are two very different things. We're at a tipping point as a church and are beginning to make some decisions, including staff positions. They're going to allow us to go one way or the other. And friends, I look at this congregation, particularly second service, but also first service, and see that many of us are um, somewhere around Alan and my age, or older or a little younger. And yeah, we have some families coming into the church, and what are they looking for? And we have families coming into the preschool, and what are they looking for? They're looking for a vibrant, inclusive, Christian community where they can all grow in faith, love, health, and service for their children, even beyond the four- and five-year-olds or the two- and three-year-olds, but for them as a family. Now, 39% of those families are not Caucasian. 47% of Newport High School is Asian. And friends, now look around. We have the opportunity for vibrancy and inclusion as a church. And I just want to challenge us to take that up and to look at that. But what's so overwhelming is to look at the whole thing. All I'm asking us to do at this point is think about children. To begin with the children. To look with new eyes as we come in to this place that we so fondly love. So many of us talk about this as family, and it is. But there are other members of what could be this family that could engage with us in some incredible ways. But what I'm asking, what I'm asking right now is to think about children. Let me close with this thought. What I've noticed about us is that we are so willing to, to give to others. This church is incredible when it comes to outreach and mission. Incredible. I keep going back to Thailand, and I, I called this the, the birding house, Grace Birding House, because it looks a little like the boarding house that we built in Thailand. 
we're so great in relationships with each other and continue to get better, particularly between services and an understanding and an acceptance of the fact that we are one body serving in two different ways. What I'm looking for now is a shift. A shift that every single one of us sees that we have a role with children's ministry. That every single one of us in this congregation, first or second service, those that are here every week or those that are here once a month, that we have a role in creating that kind of environment that engages that seven-year-old. That we can teach or we, we can offer what we have. We can, we can talk to them about going across the globe, Christy, and presenting to them what you've seen. We can talk to them about Hawaii and what it is and where it is and what it feels like to stay in a boat for a week, you know? We can talk to them about music. We can talk to them about oceanography and science. We can talk to them about engineering. We can share with them our passions. I'm not sure, Jeff, that I'm going to share with them about the shooting gallery. <laughs> but I might lose share with them about the Daisy air rifle. We can talk to them about nature. We can share with them so much. And most importantly, what we can do with them, most importantly, what we can do with them, every single one of us, is share our story, where we've come. What was in your bedroom that was your favorite toy? And you know what? They can relate to that. Or we can take them to Lazy F with us, and we can build something alongside them, and then have them play in and with it. And in the midst of that, we share why we love that place or wherever it is that you go. But we elevate this. Children's ministries, family ministries, as a higher priority in the church today. And we do it in an incredibly loving way that Laura talked about last week. And we do it with vibrancy and with inclusivity in mind.